0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, find out how Mark Pons maintains a work-happy, drive-happy culture inside his nine shops, and be inspired by this very casual interview where I know you'll learn just one thing. From the Aftermarket Radio Network, Carm Capriato here, Remarkable Results Radio. Now, Mark is also the president of ASTA in North Carolina. That's the Automotive Service and Tire Alliance, the folks who bring you A.S.T.E. Mark explains the importance of setting routines to enforce your values, and he says it only takes 15 minutes at the beginning of every day. Can your shop spare 15 minutes? Well, I think you can. Hey, thanks to our partners, Apex and Shopware, for providing you this episode. Uh, I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor, or technician who truly has gone above and beyond in 2022. Now it's time to nominate them for the third annual apex service and repair awards don't wait nominations are due august 31st please do me a favor go to com slash service awards print the document so you know what you got to do you know ordering parts sucks the joy out of anyone's day but you can break it up with the parts matrix and order spark plugs in seconds if you use shopware's native parts catalog browse every shelf based on price or fit on the web talk to my friends at get Shopwear.com. Hey, honored for sure to have Mark Pons on the show. Hello, Mark. Hello, Carm. How are you? I'm great. Chapel Hill Tire. I don't know what you do every day, but you got nine stores. Does that keep you busy?
1: It keeps me busy, but it's a labor of love for sure.
0: I know. And I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about This love and this happiness and drive happy, work happy, this whole incredible value strategy that you have. I'm in love with it because I spent time on your website and I just can't wait to talk about it. Mark is also the president of ASTA, A-S-T-A. Now, I think some of you may know ASTA. You may know that it was the Merge of the IGONC, the Independent Garage Owners of North Carolina, and the North Carolina Tire Dealers Association, which was NCTDA, right?
1: That's right.
0: And uh, sometime in 2021, you guys hell, uh, we got COVID going on. Let's merge a couple of associations.
1: We saw there was a lot of overlap, I guess, in what we were doing. And our customers, well, while not identical, I mean, our members, while not identical, were for similar in a lot of ways. And we had... Tire shops that were trying to get better at selling at, at service, and we had service shops that were trying to do more tires to broaden out their their revenue stream. So, you know, associations are are about power of numbers, and we figured you know by uh, doubling the membership of the two organizations, putting us together, we could have a pretty powerful organization. We've got a great board of directors who's passionate about the new organization. And so, um, got a strategic plan down, but we're really trying to do great things to, to help our members lead the industry.
0: I love what you said about the power of associations and there's no doubt two great organizations. And I love what you said about the overlap. So let me ask you a question. Should the, should tire shops be doing mechanical and should mechanical be selling tires?
1: Absolutely. Why do you want to leave money on the table with your customers? If, you could, if, if, you're, if you're the place that your customers trust and prefer to go f- for service, why not look to broaden out those services that you offer your customer?
0: And has this merge in association strategy philosophy moved some of the mechanical guys into doing tires?
1: I think so. I think that the more that uh, we get our programming out and out in the public, we're going to be able to offer a lot of kind of expert thinking to help our service guys look at tires, look at tire programs. How do I choose if I want to start selling more tires? You know, how do I choose a program that's right for me and, and those types of things? So
0: The more I talk to shop owners, get the tours, see inside, look at the equipment they have to do tires and realize why should they let their customer go anywhere else? If you want to be a one-stop shop, you got to do tires.
1: We were the, exactly the opposite end of that 25 years ago when I got involved with the business. We were 75, 80% of our business was tires. And we were, and we would send customers away to go do other work. I never liked, even though we had great relationships with the shops we'd recommend it to, it, it hurt me to say, go to Al's Garage for that. And knowing that, you know, that I didn't serve my customer fully, I guess, and, and in the way that I think they should have been served.
0: So as a tire-focused company, how long ago did you make the big commitment to mechanical?
1: It was pretty soon after I got involved. I would say if I got involved in the business in in 97, by 99, 2000, it was quick, seeing that just we can't be sending our customers away.
0: So you were a Wall Streeter.
1: A little bit. I was a, I was a grunt. Uh, I, Trading desk. Yeah. <laughs> I was a first job out of college. Uh, G- so I was a not, a, not a big swing in Wall Street guy. Yeah. More. Yes, definitely GS. It yes. Was a
0: GS at Wall Street. That's really funny. And, and you told me we, we had a great chat, you know, before we turned on the mics, but you never wanted to be in the business.
1: No, I, I didn't want to be in the family business. I worked one summer in the family business and, you know, didn't like being the boss's son. I didn't like people looking at me differently, people thinking that things had been handed to me or given, you know, I I wanted to go out and prove my worth and prove that I could make my own way. So I was really determined to do that.
0: You and I one day have to just do an episode, me and you about being an SOB. That's a son of boss, son of boss, right? Because, you know, proving it my own way. And, you know, I came from an Italian family. I was the oldest son. I made some really interesting moves against that family thing. And And every time I think about it, it brings up all these incredible good and then crushing memories of, you know, did I make some right moves when I made them and stuff. So it can be a lot of pressure, especially uh, when you're not getting the kind of direction. It seemed to me, and and maybe it's time to talk about this for 30 seconds. Oh, my God, you have my DNA. You should know everything I know. There wasn't a lot of direction. And you had to go out there and find your own point of the plow, attempt to make the kind of positive decisions and contributions to the business without dad or uncle saying, good job, kid. Yeah, these are great ideas. Or run that by me before you do that the next time. It was almost like, just go, do it.
1: Yeah. And two, when you think about it back, there was no... Excel. There was no business software. There was no QuickBooks. There was the point of you know everything was on paper. They didn't have the tools we had. So so much uh, was just on instinct. I think. And how much cash do I have in the bank? And then you know what do my instincts tell me I need to be doing? So it was it was just a different. And then kind of we came along and I wanted data and I wanted to know what's the right way of running this business? And how do I know I'm doing well or not? And um, so I really think we're fortunate to have all the business tools and ways of analyzing data today that my dad never had. You got to run your business off some data, right?
0: So your dad passed and you ended up being in the business.
1: My dad passed away suddenly, you know, after working a few years in New York. uh, I, I, began to see what a career would look like stretched out into my, you know, 40s and 50s and uh, small town family business started to not look so bad. So unfortunately, my dad passed away and duty called. I came back and got involved with with the, the business.
0: Hey, Carm here. Now, I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022 and who represents the best of the best. Now it's time to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards. Now, these awards will recognize a shop owner of the year, service advisor of the year and technician of the year. An independent panel of shop owners will select the award recipients based on their commitment to training, as well as community, charitable and industry involvement. Apex will honor and celebrate the award winners during the opening keynote address at Apex 2022 in November in Las Vegas. Hey, don't wait. Nominations are due by August 31st. To nominate your outstanding industry leader, go to AAPEX slash service awards. Now I know you know an outstanding shop owner, service advisor, or technician who's gone above and beyond this year. AAPEX Show dot slash service awards. You know, nothing tells a customer they need a new part faster than when they see a worn or broken one in their hands. Now, how do you do that in the digital age? Well, it's actually very easy. Thanks to DVX, you can send photos and videos within its messenger platform. It's like nothing else you've ever seen in an auto repair SMS before. Take the best of an Amazon-like experience and use it in your shop to show customers how great you are. DVX also makes it easy for customers to drop you a quick text or answer in the messenger bubble that arises from the repair order. It's like magic. Customers love seeing what they need to do and giving you a quick answer. You'll see your business's potential right in front of you. Your customers get on with their day and you get back to the repair. Everybody wins. It's time. Take it from me. GetShopware.com Your website is a testament to your culture. There wasn't any place that I could go that I didn't see the drive happy theme, including a mural. You just got to go to Chapel Hill's Tire. I saw it, and then when you explained it to me, that that graphic, and I said, well, that's really a wild graphic, drive happy. He says, it's a real mural on one of our buildings. (laughs) And to me, that's a testament to allow someone to come in and say, Hey uh knock yourself out spray paint.
1: Yeah, well we got excited for that project. We are very proud of, you know, our our work happy drive happy culture. And so yeah, there was a there was an artist who was a mural artist who was getting a lot of attention and um doing really cool stuff and so we we sort of gave her carte blanche and said, you know, what can you do here? And she came up with that and she also came up with this great um smiley face emoji uh, mural that's on our Carver location.
0: For job opportunities, you have all the jobs that are available at all nine stores, which is really, really nice. And for why work for Chapel Hill Tire? And it starts bringing your values in, and then you basically list for a technician exactly what the pay and the compensation plan is. There's not too many people. Not too many people that would put that right out front. And basically you're qualifying a candidate.
1: We want to be as transparent as possible. We feel like we have something special to offer both employees and customers. And, you know, we talk about trying to create a work happy, drive happy movement. Work doesn't have to suck.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, work can be fun.
1: Work can be absolutely fulfilling. You can work at a place where people care for you, where you're cared for where you do a good job and it's a high-performance culture, but you still have fun. Our whole culture is built on the premise that employees are going to only treat customers up to the level they're treated. And so if you want to have great customer experiences, uh, you got to have employees who, who are rested and feel cared for. And therefore, if the company's going the extra mile for them, they'll go the extra mile for their customers.
0: It's a great premise. How do you pull this all together? I mean, go back X number of years where you really said, this is the constitution that we need to be building ourselves around. For other shop owners that are out there that's, that hear our podcast, hear about culture, what we believe in, what we do, who we are, and they just don't know how to pull the first lever.
1: Yeah. Well, first, I think you've got to articulate and define the culture. You know, culture exists. When a group of people get together and whether or not you are driving it or not, you've got a culture at your shop, right? And the idea is what's good about your culture now that you want to keep and articulate? And then what about that vision you had when you first opened your store and you said, I'm going to be an entrepreneurial business owner and my shop is going to look like this? And you know, you end up getting into the work things and all of a sudden, maybe you're sitting there looking around and it's not what you envisioned when you first started. But what is it about, you've got to be able to articulate what do you want it to be? What is that, your business sitting on a hill with the sky coming through and the clouds parting? What does that look like? And how do you articulate that? Where do you want to go with, with your business? And so you've got to articulate your values. You've got to articulate, it can't just be people coming in for a wage and expect that people want to belong to something. So what do you want to create that they want to belong to? What do you want to create that employees want to belong to and be a part of? You got to write it out. And so once you articulate it, and it's not like it comes out perfect the first year or so. We noodled on our values.
0: Let me stop you there. You say we noodled. I want to drill down a little bit. Was it you? Was it the leadership? Was it your your sister and brother? What? Was it the team, the leadership team, that just sit down and says, "We got to keep going on this and keep going on this"?
1: You know, it started with me. Somebody's got to go first, right? And sort of lay out what describes this place, and then with my leadership team, we iterated on it. You know, does this feel right? Does this sound right? Does this does this capture who we are? And over time, you move words around or or change things here and there, but ultimately, it comes out, and we really feel like, ah. Uh, We nailed it. But it doesn't stop there. You know, first you got to articulate it, but then you need to install routines around it that reinforce your culture. It just can't be the picture on the wall and expect people to live them because it's on a wall. You got to have routines that help drive the culture.
0: Here's your set of values. Strive for excellence. Treat each other like family. Say yes to customers and each other. Be grateful and helpful and win as a team. And I've always thought and known this set of values, you can literally guide an individual in your company. You basically, you can go out and say, look at Charlie, um, be grateful and helpful. We got a problem with that today. You didn't kind of demonstrate exactly what was important. So let's talk about it. And it helps people work their way into being sure they're a contributor. And they follow, they fall under.
1: And we talk about when you're. it's a gray situation, you're not sure what the right thing to do is, just let the values answer the question for you. Don't go talk to a manager. Don't. You don't need to ask for help. Let the values guide you and you'll be fine. And then if the manager says, well, why the heck did you do it that way? You can say, look, I was just trying to be grateful and helpful.
0: Do your customers come in and say, this place is a happy place?
1: Yes. What we get a lot, if, if you read our reviews, is that uh, friendly comes out a lot friendly, professional, helpful, went the extra mile for me, those types of things.
0: Tell me about the dealership versus uh, the mechanic. Where should I get my car serviced? I mean, you you guys are doing a lot of that stuff.
1: Oh, you mean our our blogs and that type of thing? We feel that mechanic near me is a higher uh, used search term than technician. And so we are in those instances trying to talk to the customer in the ways that the customer thinks of it.
0: So what's a trend? I mean, you're president of the association. What are you talking to the team about?
1: So workforce development on the association side is is the big items that we're working on. The ASTA has a very strong apprenticeship program. And North Carolina has a really cool apprenticeship program that allows kids coming out of high school to join an apprenticeship program and they can go part-time to community college, say the automotive school there, and then also work part-time at, say, a place like Chapel Tire. And they get paid for when they they work with us. And the state pays their community college tuition. So they're able to get hands-on experience at the same time that they're getting the, the classroom experience. And, you know, we make a commitment to... to grow them expose them to certain jobs and keep kind of their career moving forward at the end of it of like a three-year program you've got a kid who's been who's been very deliberate about wanting to get into this business and and they've done both the hard work of of working hands-on and working in the classroom and um, we've probably got five apprentices right now but the asta is the sponsor they create sort of the framework or curriculum for how the partners with the state. So workforce development is big at both the association level and internally because we're trying to figure out how to, as quickly as possible, move entry-level, say, general service technicians to technicians. And that's one of the things that actually helps us from a recruiting standpoint is that we've got a career path. There's no dead-end jobs here. And as we continue to grow and expand, it just creates more opportunity with our culture. We only want to hire within. We only want to promote from within. It's just fantastic to be a part of because you see people bettering themselves because they've done the hard work or they've gotten their ASEs and they've allowed us to train them and move them, move them forward. So it's, it's really special.
0: You know, thank God for your five apprentices, but you should probably have a hundred.
1: I would take, I would take a hundred just with your fun. Yeah.
0: What do we have to do? I mean, as an association, as peers in the industry that have an apprentice that realize the power and the value of growing our own, because if we don't, it is the only only solution I think to the, the great resignation, the, this shortage, however you want to color it and how many people that i know in the industry and i know maybe a couple of feet and handfuls worth and again there there may be you know 500 in the industry that are doing apprenticing with all kinds of associations all kinds of programs but we should have 10,000 across the country apprentices
1: i think we're in the early stages of it but it is happening and i think that uh, at least in in this area of north carolina you've got community colleges that are that are building Nice, new automotive classroom, automotive facilities for for the community college students to engage them in. We have two really nice, brand new uh, Wake Tech Community College. I think it was like a $50 million project.
0: I am so impressed. I'm on advisory board of our local two-year school, and we're going through all kinds of budget issues. And it was a building we want to buy and retrofit. And all of a sudden, hmm, I don't know if there was this great exodus from the two year you know skilled trades. But it's exciting to know that in North Carolina, they're investing. And I think someone who had a vision realized skilled trades, probably a big part of our future.
1: Absolutely. To your point earlier that... Not only what does it take to get them to come into the field earlier, we're talking and the talk is more and more of we got to hit them in middle school. The Bill Crabtree with Alamance Community College was talking the other week that just like college basketball coaches go and recruit, visit the families of kids who show talent early on, his staff is going out and talking to the families of potential students early, in like middle school, just because you have to convince the parents that this is a, a worthy career, that this is, you know, the parents have to get behind it. And the parents and everybody's been programmed for four-year colleges. And and they're just missing out on the great opportunities that are available in the
0: trades. I did an interview with Andy Fific from Ohio, uh, maybe a month ago now. And it was really kind of all about What you're talking about. He will be the first to volunteer, the first to go to a school, the first to want to talk. And that is in the middle school arena about a career in the automotive. And let me be facetious for a moment. Let us stop for a moment. Let's write the talking points out for every shop owner. Now here's, here's the agenda. Go in and talk about it. I don't need that, Carm. Exactly right. You could go in and you could just Talk to the world about what the automotive is, what skill trades are that if someday you're going to wear a lab coat and wear and have a tablet in your hand, you're going to fix cars. You're going to make them run right, better, faster. You're going to keep them on the road. And to me, there's so much passion from a owner, from a technician to want to get in front of young people and say, (laughs) <laughs> the coolest career possible, if you want to play with high tech you can 't do a brake job unless you're high tech it today, so the point is we keep talking about it, and yet I think it's moving slowly, Mark, because of guys like you and associations like you and the apprentice program that you have, but they 're never going to become as you say mainstay in the future if we don't water those plants now,
1: yeah, and what I found too, karma is that. When you go out to the high school, if there's an automotive program in your local high school, they're desperate. They're looking for people to serve on their advisory boards to get involved with them. It's not that great of a commitment. I know everybody's busy and time is short. But uh, one, it's the kind of thing you can do that will give back to you because you're working to help. Kids, you know, figure out what they want to do with their lives. But at the community, college level, or the high school level, there's ways to get involved that really are not that demanding on your time. And you'll find it, I think, rewarding and fulfilling to do it.
0: Well, I sure didn't want to go preach in there, but I'm passionate just like you are about this. And I always, every time I do an episode and I say, oh, maybe I was a little too uh, over the top. And then I say, if I got one person To decide to do this, then I guess it was worth it. And I say this because, you know, thousands and thousands of people will listen to this thing. And I just want them to realize it's really all about you. The future of our industry is all about the the shop owner, the technician, it's all about them.
1: And I'll tell you too, you know, I've been to to the community college classes, I've talked to classes on what it's like to operate or run an independent. I got to be honest with you, some of the kids are on their phone the whole time. Some of the kids are sleeping in class. But a year or two later, you'll meet a kid who says, I remember when you came to talk to my class. And they're fully engaged in the industry now and they're doing things. So it, you know, like you said, you touch one or two and it makes a difference.
0: You and I could go on and on. (laughs) but I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop and say to the audience, did we give you enough to motivate and get you out there? Hey, let's talk about ASTE coming up.
1: It is going to be great. It's already lots of people signing up for what looks like a, a great cohort of teachers and, and classes coming on. I think you'll see the blending too of like the TIA tire industry association classes. Uh, you'll see the blending of. NCTDA and, and IGO coming together here. We're trying to offer something for everybody.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Great leadership, great marketing, great technology, and and even tire classes. I mean, if you want to get motivated to sell more tires, you got a class for that.
1: Yeah. You know, th- this particular event on the East Coast, you get North Carolina Southern Hospitality coming down, and it's a little more laid back, but really great opportunities to network with other shop owners, to network with the trainers that are there, it is a great energy at this event. Really good vibe
0: there. it be my fourth year, I think, coming up this year. So looking forward to it. To, you know, have the podcast studio walk away with a lot of great episodes. Is you know that's that's what we're charged to do in this industry. You know, we were talking trends a, a little earlier. I'd love to. You know, Just kind of soapbox this with you a little bit about training. I know you have a commitment to training, a huge commitment to training to your people, and you pay for their training. We do. I think it's at least, what, 40 hours minimum that you, you say that you need to have from your people?
1: Yeah, uh, and really it's an unlimited training budget if we don't say no to people who say, I want to go do this class. I mean, we do everything from service advisor training. Uh, we work with Steve Ferrante, Pinnacle Performance, for service advisor training, we have the, the tech training. Really cool. One thing that, that we offer is our ASE master techs do lunch and learns on the ASE test preps via Teams or Zoom. And our younger techs who are trying to get their ASCs, and we'll actually buy lunch if you want to sit in on the class. But you know, like once a month, we'll do some ASE test prep classes. And so the the master tech will they'll go through the tests and just say, okay. You know, here's the in this test. Here's what you need to look for in this question. Here's where they're trying to trip you up a little bit, or here's what you need to think about and get good, sort of good dialogue going on. We get the people on the Zoom who wants to answer this question which one is it? Is it A, B, C, or D? And then, then why? That's the stuff that fulfills my heart the most is seeing people internally give back, you know, because text can have you know, um, a reputation sometimes as being a little crusty or salty dogs. But seeing them care about really trying to help the team get better and help these younger guys get get better, it's really, really fulfilling.
0: Mark, do you keep a, a learning resume or a training resume on your people?
1: No, but we've talked about doing that,
0: yeah. I wrote a blog this week. It was my, the email that went out, the blog will be up on my website in a couple of days, on training as a strategic pillar in your business.
1: We do. For, we have a position called associate tech. And that's the the tech that's that's trying to bridge going from GS to a technician. Perfect. And we do have a list of jobs that they need to make sure that they've completed or worked on. That, and that, that the manager does does look at and says, okay, you haven't done a timing belt yet. On Let's get you to do a timing belt. Or make sure that they're doing AC work. Make sure that they're doing, you know, replacing alternators and that type of thing.
0: Yeah. The name of the class, the name of the instructor, where it was, was it daytime, nighttime? Was it, you know, leader led? Was it online? Who paid for it? And when you look at that resume by technician, you could literally call it up, sort it a bunch of different ways, and look at how many times has they have they been to this class? Well, it's been three years, a lot of tech has changed. We recommend or we'll look for and find, or it looks like there's mm, six or seven of us in the team, and you may want to bring in a trainer, yeah, as a pillar, it's like we have a coach we have we have accountant, we have k p i s we have marketing strategies. Why shouldn't training be there as a strong part of the strategy of the company going forward? And I know for you it is, and I'm really trying to convince based on so many interviews I've been doing lately where training has been a very large component of the discussion. It's almost like I'm sticking tired of talking and asking, do you pay for training? Well, it's to the point where training has to be up there with the pillar of profitability and it needs to be paid for. It needs to have a minimum requirement as far as the number of hours. And you have to work as hard as you can to get daytime so you can get your money's worth.
1: Uh, I had a discussion with my director of HR this morning about where we were sort of visioning about, are we there yet? And and we're certainly getting close of having a full-time in-house trainer. And part of their role is to do is to have some sort of assessment process on the skills of everybody every technician in the shop and their strengths are and their weaknesses are and work to push them and guide them along and so you, what you're talking about there is sort of right in line with sort of the vision of and you know do we do the training what training do they need can we do it internally can we tap is there a technician who wants to give back, who has a specialty in this area, who can work with, or do we need to reach outside the organization and pull somebody who specializes in, in this in?
0: Boy, I can imagine one of your, you know, heavy diag guys or ladies could literally teach a production apprentice, or however we classify ABC text, you know, and, and opinions on that too, because uh, you know you got an A mechanical and an A diagnostics. Um, can't imagine that an A-tech would always be the diet guy. We did a show on what's the meaning of A, B, and C. But yeah, glad to hear that you're doing that. You know, those assessments are out there. And more and more coaching companies, the bigger ones, are putting together, not only are they teaching service advisor training and leadership, now they're bringing on mechanical training. They're contracting out with uh, the great trainers of our industry. So I'm thrilled to see that we have... So accepted, at least the top 20% in our industry, that trading is one of the most important pillars in the organization.
1: It's a must-have now, I think, if you're going to be competitive.
0: So what's next for Chapel Hill Tire?
1: Well, we're we're continuing to try to grow locations and, and expand. I did want to, if it's okay, follow back up with you just on, on the culture talk because I love, I could talk culture with you. For days. But one of the things that I talked about was having, you know, it's not just a sign on the wall. It's got routines. It's got routines around it. And so, what are the routines that you're going to do that reinforce these values? And, and just want to share something that we do is every week, one of our values is the value of the week. And every morning at every store, even at, with my admin team, before we start the day, there's a huddle. And that huddle starts out with, all right, guys and gals. What's the value of the week? How do we live it? And somebody's got to answer that question. And it may be that I saw Johnny, this week's value is strive for excellence. And I say, well, I saw, you know, Johnny helping Shane work on a car. He was struggling, but he was showing Shane the right way to do it. And that's striving for excellence. Okay, that's great. Or we use Slack as a communication tool. And so it could be times there's routines where, uh, You know, you just see somebody living the values, you take a picture and you post about, here's, you know, William staying late to help a customer who came in with an emergency. He's being grateful and helpful. So you have these ways of of reinforcing. So even when we start, you know, we don't start a meeting without saying, what's the value of the week and how do we live it? Then you reinforce it with all the positive aspects of seeing people who, when they do something right, you know, you make sure you
0: celebrate it. What a great idea to post uh, someone living the values. That is genius. I mean, there's a lot of people that have internal communication systems. I love Slack. We use Slack here in the company. How do we live our values? It's just brilliant. Does everyone in the huddle have to bring an example forward?
1: No, just one person can speak up. But I do have a store, their huddle everybody has to fill out on a piece of paper somebody they saw living the value the day before. And so they turn it in, I think, and and the manager will read one or they'll go around the huddle and people say, what did you witness yesterday with somebody living the values? Which I I like that one too.
0: You have a huddle every morning?
1: Every morning. We talk about previous day's numbers. They talk about what's coming in today. You know, Mr. Johnny's going to be tied up on Mr. Jones's... Audi for the day, so don't book him. And you know, th- that kind of just communication is there any equipment that needs servicing? Are we low on any particular inventory items that somebody's noticed that, that we're missing that we need to, you know, that kind of thing? But just bring the team together, you know, guys, we did really well on tires and yesterday, but alignments weren't keeping up pace with with the number of tires that we've got. Let's make sure we keep an eye on alignment. So let's make sure we we're keeping an eye on maintenance services, that type of thing.
0: And everybody, technicians, ABCs, service advisors, store manager, everybody's involved. Everybody's got to be there. Yep. It takes 15 minutes. It takes 15 minutes. Good stuff. Mark Ponds, Chapel Hill Tire, nine store location in Chapel Hill, Durham, Raleigh, and Apex, North Carolina. And we'll also, for sure, see you at uh, ASTE. Can't wait. Thanks, Mark.
1: Thank you so much for having me.